Merry Christmas, church. <laughs> uh, it's good to be here with you today. And um, I did remember one announcement. Uh, it may be the one that Flint was reminding me of, uh, so I will give that to you right now. But our new church building, effectively today, is fully insulated. So that's another step that we have uh, accomplished. It is insulated, and uh, soon, maybe, I, I don't know when soon is, but we will be able to uh, heat it and uh, have, have a place where we can work and uh, stay warm. So um, that is a great deal. And uh, before we get started, let's pray. Uh, Father God, we're so thankful for your word and for the opportunity to fellowship, to uh, study the Bible that you've given to us, and to be together to strengthen and support each other. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Last week, we talked about waiting for Christmas. The longing that the Jews felt while they waited for 400 years in dark silence waiting for the Messiah to come and rescue them from the oppression of Rome, waiting for God to raise up a kingdom of Israel again and establish their rule all over the world. They had heard all the promises. They knew what the prophets had foretold and that's what kept them hanging on, waiting for God to act waiting on His timing. Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 1 says, For everything there is a season, a time for every activity under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die. We celebrate the time for the Messiah to be born at Christmas time. It goes like this. Then I witnessed in heaven an event of great significance. I saw a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon beneath her feet, and a crown of twelve stars on her head. She was pregnant, and she cried out because of her labor pains and the agony of giving birth. Now this verse from Revelation isn't necessarily speaking of Mary. Some commentators say that it is speaking of Eve to begin with and then also of Israel and the coming Messiah through Israel. And some commentators say that this is possibly alluding to Mary as well. But one thing's for sure. This verse is speaking of Jesus. Let's think of the manger scene for just a moment. Just before Jesus' birth, right before he was born, a silent night? I don't think so. All is calm? Hardly. Now, I'm not a woman, but I have witnessed birth pains. Having a baby isn't a walk in the park. Now, ladies, don't go blaming the men for your pain. If Eve wouldn't have eaten the apple, then babies would be easy to have. Remember Genesis chapter 3? As God is, is dueling out the punishment, He tells Eve, 
Verse 16, Then he said to the woman, I will sharpen the pain of your pregnancy, and in pain you will give birth. The consequence of disobedience and distrust, by the way, that's what sin is, disobedience and distrust, the consequence of that came after the first preaching of the gospel. The verse right before that one, verse 15, and you've heard it from me the last couple of weeks, it says, I will cause hostility between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He will strike your head and you will strike his heel. It's talking to the devil, God is. The Messiah, the Savior, will come. And he will be born of a woman, but it won't be like a snap of the fingers and then voila, there is the Savior. It's not magic. It's miraculous. Having a baby is is one of the most miraculous things in the world. It's amazing how God puts us together. If you look at a little child, ten little toes and fingers, tiny hearts that beat, and the nose and the eyes and the little ears... Psalms chapter 139, verse 13 through 16 says, You made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion, as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. When the Messiah was placed in Mary's womb, that was a whole other miracle in itself. Mary was certainly confused about how this was going to take place. Uh, She asked, how will this happen to me? And the angel Gabriel explains it to her. Luke chapter 1, verse 34. The Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will (coughs) overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy and he will be called the Son of God. The language used here of the Spirit coming upon her and overshadowing her connects back to Genesis chapter 1, the first two verses in our Bible. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and empty, and darkness covered the deep waters. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. You know the Spirit has a way of hovering over void places. Of overshadowing a void place to provide the creative power that causes things to be. That causes the Word to be. In Genesis, when God spoke while the Spirit was hovering upon the earth, light appeared. Now, two weeks ago, I preached a sermon 
on the Christmas story from the Gospel of John. And John starts by saying, In the beginning the Word already existed. And the Word is the one who is the true light, who gives light to everyone, and He is coming into the world. Now, how exactly is the Word, capital W, meaning God, coming into this world? The Holy Spirit came upon Mary's womb that was void and dark. Oh, there wasn't nothing in Mary's womb at that point in time. There was no reason for there to be anything in there. But the Holy Spirit came, overshadowed, and created the flesh of Jesus. Like Adam, the first man, there was no, there was not the usual means of procreation, but there was a miracle. But as miraculous as Jesus' conception was, even the mother of the Messiah had birth pains. It had to be hard for Joseph as Mary cried out in pain. Now, of course, it was much more difficult for Mary, but Joseph must have been distressed to watch this poor young lady in so much pain. There's no midwife there to help out, uh, no mother or sister to take care of her, no relatives waiting outside in anticipation of the sweet little bundle of joy that was soon to appear. But the significance of this birth was great. Now the main characters of Jesus' birth, the main characters of the nativity, are Mary and Joseph and the shepherds and the angels, and, and often we include the wise men, although they probably didn't come till later. And of course, God. He was there, both incarnate form and in spirit. But the character that we often leave out of the scene is the devil. Oh, there's nothing in the birth narrative that says that the devil is there at that time, but we know that the devil tempts Jesus later in life. We know that after Jesus was born, Joseph and Mary take baby Jesus to Egypt because Herod was going to take out all the baby boys, and he did. Now, Herod did not do that on his own. The devil was working through him. So I think that surely the devil knew about Jesus' birth and was lurking around somewhere near. In John's vision, recorded in Revelation chapter 12, he says, he saw a large dragon, and that dragon, whom John later specified as the devil, stood in front of the woman as she was about to give birth, ready to devour her baby as soon as it was born. Now again, this verse uh, doesn't necessarily specifically refer to Mary, but it definitely refers to the birth of the one who is destined to strike the devil's head. Jesus, that is. 
John's vision goes on to say in chapter 12, verse 5, she gave birth to a son who was to rule all nations with an iron rod and her child was snatched away from the dragon and was caught up to God and His throne. There's something about this verse that I really like. Snatched away from the dragon and caught up to God. Snatched. Now you say, wait a second. When did Jesus get in the hands of the dragon? Because if he was snatched from the dragon, then at some point, at some point, he must have been near. And we mustn't forget the reason that God sent his son here to defeat the devil and to take us home. Now, sometimes you have to get close to the enemy to defeat him. The earthly battle began when Jesus was born. And the game-changing blow was delivered with Jesus' resurrection. But for that to happen, Jesus had to die. And I'll bet that the devil, he thought he was about to win at that point. He had the Messiah just where he wanted him, dying on a cross. But then... Not long after Satan thought he had won, God snatched our Savior from the dragon and won the victory. Ecclesiastes chapter 3 says there is a time to be born and a time to die. And John 3.16 says there is a time to be snatched. It doesn't actually say that. It says, For God loved, so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him shall have eternal life. Eternal life. You know what eternal life is? That's being snatched from the clutches of evil, from the clutches of everything worldly, from the hold of the devil. You know what that means. For us, to be snatched. Jesus had to be born. And He had to die. And then He had to be released from death. Snatched from the grave and resurrected. Now speaking of timing, Romans chapter 5, verse 6 says, When we were utterly hopeless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners so that He could snatch us from the devil's hands. And oh, we mustn't forget that when we put our faith solidly in Jesus, we belong to Him and not to the devil. John chapter 10, verse 28 and 29, Jesus says, I give them eternal life and they will never perish. No one can snatch them away from Me. For my Father has given them to me, and He is more powerful, more powerful than anyone else. No one can snatch them from the Father's hand. Folks, when you are in God's arms, the devil doesn't have a chance. Now, birth pains. 
Back to birth pains. What a weird thing for me to preach on. My wife uh, often says that uh, a lot of my sermons are geared towards men. And so uh, I hope that this qualifies as one that may be geared a little bit towards the women. Birth pains. But the truth is, as odd as it is for me to preach about, God talks a lot about birthing pains in His Word. There are a lot of verses. He tells Eve about the pains of childbearing that she will have. We see God talking about birth pains for Israel as they grow and spread the birth pains of change. And we see it in the prophecy. The prophets talk about it like Isaiah, the the pains of birth. And there's the imagery in Revelation that John's, John's vision of birth pains to come. We must, too, experience birthing pains in order to take part in the miracle of Christmas. Our birthing pain comes from putting to death our old sinful nature so that new life can be born in us. Jesus became incarnate so that He could be born and live in flesh in order to die for our sin. We must die to our flesh so that we can be born of the Spirit and live in the Spirit. God gave His one and only Son to us at the time of His birth and at the time of His death also. Now, the birth pains of becoming a child of God. Let's discuss these. Number one, we are pushed from darkness to light. Now think about a poor uh, little baby who is inside his mother's womb. Um, Everything is there for him. He's being fed. He's being taken care of. He's always warm. Everything is nice and consistent. And then he's pushed from the darkness to the light. And now he's in the world. And he has to do a little bit of work. Now he has to uh, snuggle up to his mother to keep warm. He's not always the perfect temperature. And now he has to work a little bit to get fed. And he doesn't have on-demand food. He has to cry to let his mama know to feed him. It reveals what we don't always want to see being pushed from darkness to light. To a new believer who has recently become a Christian, the light is bright. Oh, it can be uncomfortable until you adjust to it. It can be awkward putting your faith solidly in Christ. We often see ourselves in a way that we don't like. It wakes us up. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 10 through 17 says, Carefully determine what pleases the Lord. Take no part in the worthless deeds of evil and darkness. Instead, expose them. It is shameful even to talk about the things that ungodly people do in secret, but their evil intentions will be exposed when the light shines on them. For the light makes everything visible. 
This is why it is said, Awake, O sleeper, rise up from the dead, and Christ will give you light. So be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Pushed from darkness to light. Another thing about uh, birthing pains of becoming the children of God is that we have to recognize our total helplessness and dependence on God. Utterly helpless, Romans chapter 5 verse 6 says, when we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. Don't lean on your own understanding, Proverbs chapter 3 tells us, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek His will in all you do and He will show you which path to take. And while we are recognizing our helplessness, we must realize that we can't work for it to earn it ourselves. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8. God saved you by His grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for it. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things that we have done, so none of us can boast about it. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ so that we can do the good things that He planned for us long ago. Isaiah chapter 41, verse 13 says, For I hold you by your right hand, I the Lord your God, and I say to you, don't be afraid. I am here to help you. Oh, how beautiful is that? To think of the Lord. It's as if we are a toddler and God is holding our hand. Don't be afraid. God says, I'm here to help you. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1, tells us to imitate God. Therefore, in everything you do, because you are His dear children, live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. It appears that we must imitate God as His children. Just like when we are small and we want to be just like our mom or our dad when we grow up. We are to imitate our Father God. Now the third uh, pain of becoming a child of God is the risk of complications. Revelation chapter 12, verse 17. This verse speaks of war declared. And the dragon was anger, angry at the woman and declared war against the rest of her children. That would be us, by the way. All who keep God's commandments and maintain their testimony for Jesus. Then the dragon took his stand on the shore beside the sea. He took his stand... It's now time for war, but not proper war. It's more like guerrilla warfare. 
First Peter chapter 5, verse 8 says, Stay alert, watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. The Christian life is not an easy one. And we are safe in God's arms, but there is a battle, and we are His soldiers, and war has been declared. Now, another risk of complication in our, our becoming a child of God is failure to thrive. Maybe as a mother or a parent, you've worried about the health of your child. You've worried about him growing to be strong. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 1 says, Dear brothers and sisters, When I was with you, I couldn't talk to you as I would to spiritual people. I had to talk as though you belonged to this world, as though you were infants in Christ. I had to feed you with milk, not with solid food, because you weren't ready for anything stronger. And you still aren't ready, for you are still controlled by your sinful nature. This is Paul speaking to the new Christians that aren't quite ready to fully rely on God. There's always the risk of complications, but don't forget that it's worth it. It is worth it. All of us know that birthing pains, the the pain of childbearing, gives way to joy. John chapter 16, verse 21 says, It will be like a woman suffering the pains of labor. When her child is born, her anguish gives way to joy because she has brought a new baby into the world. What's more joyful than new life? New life. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 says, This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. This reminds me of New Year's resolutions. Oh, we often often make these resolutions in the new year, January 1st or maybe a few days before, and we concentrate them on the beginning of a new year. But actually, we should make our resolutions at Christmas time at the time of Jesus' birth, because that's when we are celebrating new life, and that's the ultimate resolution to live a new life that God has prepared for you. First Peter chapter 1, verse 3, All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is by His great mercy that we have been born again Because God raised Jesus Christ from the dead, and now we live with great expectation. The most glorious part of this new life is what we expect to happen in the future. And not expect as in we can assume that it's going to happen, but an expectation that we can count on it, it will happen. The fifth birthing pain of a new Christian is God's plan is worth every push. 
it's hard to go through through life making decisions against against what you used to think was good the entire earth is in birth pains by the way romans chapter 8 verse 22 says for we know that all creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time god is not done Isaiah chapter 66, verse 7 through 14. And I want to read this, these verses to you from the International Children's Bible. It's not a translation that I typically use, but the wording is so good. A woman does not give birth before she feels the pain, it says. She does not give birth to a son before she feels the pain of birth. No one has ever heard of that happening. No one has ever seen that happen. In the same way, no one ever saw a country begin in one day. No one has ever heard of a new nation beginning in one day. But Jerusalem will give birth to her children just as soon as she feels the birth pains. In the same way, I will not cause pain without allowing something new to be born says the Lord. If I cause you pain, I will not stop you from giving birth to your new nation, says your God. Jerusalem, rejoice. All you people who love Jerusalem, be happy. Those of you who felt sad for Jerusalem should now feel happy with her. You will enjoy her good things and be satisfied as a child is nursed by its mother you will receive her good things and enjoy her wealth. That is what the Lord says. I will give her peace that will flow to her like a river. The wealth of the nations will come flowing to her. Like babies, you will be nursed and held in my arms. You will be bounced on my knees. I will comfort you as a mother comforts her child. You will be comforted in Jerusalem. When you see these things, you will be happy. You will grow like grass. The Lord's servants will see His power, but the Lord's enemies will see His anger. How beautiful is that? In John's vision, Revelation chapter 21, it says, Look, I am making everything new. In chapter 22, it says, No longer will there be a curse upon anything. Look, I am coming soon, bringing my reward with me. The words of Jesus. Are you ready to be snatched up by God? It's only a matter of time. Pray with me. Thank you, dear Lord, for your word. Lord, we pray that this Christmas time we will be able to focus on the birth of your Son and on why he came. Lord, that there is an evil one and he tries whatever, tries his hardest, doing whatever he can to pull us down. 
But Lord, if we put our faith in You, Your Word says that we will be saved, that we will have eternal life. We thank You so much for Your grace and mercy. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.